like to invite you today to open your Bibles with me to Psalm 64. Uh, every great organization has a positive way to deal with dissatisfaction among its members. Uh, when we started off this church a number of years ago, uh, one of the first things we did was create a, a connect card to give you the opportunity to give us feedback. Uh, positive feedback and negative feedback on how we could minister to you and how we could uh, help serve our world and serve our community better. Some organizations uh, in my day had suggestion boxes. I think that's pretty old school. You don't see many suggestion boxes out in the public marketplaces today. Uh, but in those types of uh, places customers can share their opinions and share their suggestions openly and freely. And great organizations take these suggestions very seriously. Uh, students, for example, have report cards, right? Those of you who are students, you look forward to that day, don't you? When you, when you get your report card. Teachers report on areas uh, of success for the students, and they also uh, point out areas that need improvement. Um, if, if you're in sales, uh, it's not unusual to get a follow-up email uh, rating your performance of how you have treated the customer when you make a sale. I know every time I even go to a big box store, I mean, I get these emails saying, you know, how do we do? We want you to rate us on, on how we did. Retailers know that the quality of a customer's experience today uh, can be improved by getting feedback from the customer. Most successful organizations also have a compliance department where they want to protect their employees from abuse. The job of the compliance department and the compliance employee is to listen to employees and be an advocate on behalf of the employee. The employee knows that they are safe in pouring out their hearts to someone who is going to listen to their complaints and be an advocate for them. This department serves as a warning to other employees who might want to abuse fellow employees, and it also serves as a warning to the employer who might be violating the employee. Psalm 64 is a psalm where David is calling on God as his compliance person. Uh, psalm 64 tells us how we can learn to pour out our hearts to God. And that's what I want us to learn how to do based on the model that David has given us. So you have your Bible open to Psalm 64. Read along with me as I read this psalm and look for ways as we move through this psalm for God to be your compliance person uh, to, to, on your behalf, uh, serve you well. Psalm 64, to the choir master, a psalm of David. Hear my voice, O God, and my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers who wet their tongue like swords and aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear. They hold fast. 
to their evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking, who can see them? They search out injustice, saying, we have accompanied, we have accomplished a diligent search for the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. But God shoots his arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All who see them will wag their heads. Then all mankind fears. They tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart exalt. God, we have poured out our hearts to you already this morning in heartfelt worship. And I pray that as we allow your word to penetrate our heart today, God, I pray that you will change us. Change us from the focus of our life on anything other than you as we fellowship with you and worship you during these next few minutes. God, thank you for being our advocate. And we turn to you now in our time of help. In Jesus' name we pray and continue to worship now. Amen. Well, I believe that nothing influences the quality of life more than how we respond to adversity. In adversity, we need an advocate. And David gives us four reasons, shows us how God hears our complaints and protects us. So let's dig into this scripture passage and let's look at how God wants to be our advocate today, our powerful protection today. First of all, God's protection is personal. Look at verse 1. David says, hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. David personally complained to a personal God. Does it seem strange to you that David called on God to hear his voice? You, you think back about the history that you may know of, of, of David. He knew God intimately. He knew God personally. He knew that God heard and saw everything that went on not only in his life, but in the lives of everyone around him. And yet, David wasn't timidly tiptoeing into God's presence, saying, God, please, if you're up there, please, if you're up there, hear my plea. No, David boldly came into the presence of God, approached the presence of God, because he had a personal relationship with God. Nothing, nothing was more important in David's life than his walk with God. Nothing was more important to him than his relationship, his personal, intimate relationship with God. 
And my prayer today is that that would be exactly the same for you. As we think back over the last couple of years, we've been walking through the Psalms at least half of each year. We've, we've looked at book one and most of book two of the Psalms, Psalm 1 to 72. And we've seen how David has specifically called on God for protection over and over again. We see that in Psalm 13 and Psalm 16 and Psalm 23, Psalm 27, 30, 34, 36, 40, 46, 51, 54. David constantly was calling on God to be his advocate because he knew God personally. For example, in Psalm 30 and verse 12, here's what David says. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. In Psalm 54, verses 1 and 2, he says, O oh God, save me for your name, and vindicate me by your might, O oh God. Hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. Friends, I want to suggest to you and me today, that there's no better advocate we have in this world than God, our creator, our maker, our sustainer, when you know him personally. So do you know him? Are you walking with him? Are you appealing to him like David to be your advocate? See, when David prayed, he pled for God to hear him based on the assurance that God would give his undivided attention to him. He wasn't guessing whether God would hear him or not. He knew God would hear him. So he cried out to God in assurance. Again, do you pray constantly with that kind of confidence? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible says, Pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You and I have the advocate that David had, the very same person of God, to be our advocate today. I recently have noticed, and I'm sure you have too, how quickly people are to complain. I mean, I don't care where, I, I haven't been anywhere recently that I haven't heard somebody complain about something. I mean, I'll be standing in a line in a, in a store and someone will just be complaining about having to do this or having to wear that or having to do the other. And I want to say, why are you telling me that? I can't do anything about it. Take your complaints to God because He can do something about it. We know that David turned his specific complaint to God. Specific complaint to God. And that's what I recommend for you and me as well. Look at it. He says, hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve me. Protect me from dread. So again, do you know God well enough to have that kind of relationship with him? where you take your specific complaints to Him. Quit complaining to everybody else who can't do anything about it. Turn to God with your complaint. Make your complaint personal to a God who is ready and eager to hear you. Again, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, the Bible says, Rejoice always. 
pray without ceasing. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Complaining is usually viewed as negative. But I want you to know, according to the pattern that David sets for us, complaining is great when you complain about the right thing, the right way, to the right person. Take your complaints to God. Why? Because ultimately God can do something positive with your complaint. God's protection is personal. So turn your complaint first and foremost to Him. But God's protection is not only personal. Secondly, God's protection is powerful. We see this in verses 2 through 6. And this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our message this morning. So walk with me as we walk through verses 2 through 6. See, David complained about enemies coming after him to destroy him. He knew that he was powerless in his own strength over these enemies. And so look at what he prays in verse 2. He says, hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers. David was aware that there were people who were secretly plotting against him. They wanted to take him out. He was powerless over their schemes, and he knew that. And so he realized that he needed help. Are you aware that it's okay to admit that you need help? In fact, until you recognize the fact that you need help, you're not going to turn to where there is a source of real help. And that is God Himself. David realized he needed help, and so he turned to God. And I pray that you are aware that enemies are out to destroy you today. In fact, they're hiding in secret places with secret plots to destroy your mind and even your soul. Enemies are distracting you from hearing God's Word right now. There's some of you who are sitting here and your mind is somewhere else. The enemy has snuck into your mind and distracted you from listening to the Word of God. Don't let that happen. Wake up and dial in. Don't let those secret enemies distract you. I don't know everything about your life, but I know this, you need help. And God is waiting to give you help right now, so listen to Him as He speaks to you through His Word. Enemies are constantly distracting you from hearing and trusting and obeying God. And there are enemies right now who do not want you to listen to what God wants to say to you in this service today. So wake up. Don't fall into that trap of being so self-centered that you're only thinking about what you are thinking about rather than thinking about giving glory to God. Join David and plead for God to preserve you from the enemy attack that's coming against you right now. In verse 3, we see that these were enemies who whet their tongues like swords and aim bitter words like arrows. Swords and arrows are weapons of destruction. 
And David understood that enemies were using words as weapons like swords and arrows to slander and destroy him. I hope you're aware that the tongue is a powerful weapon. The book of James talks about this. The book of James calls the tongue a fire, a burning fire, out of control. It can do massive destruction. Your tongue, your tongue can be a destructive weapon to injure and destroy. So beware. Beware of how important the words you use, how powerful the words you use are. These words that David's enemies were using against him were not accidental. They were not just misused comments, misspoken comments. They were designed to destroy. And David had done nothing to deserve these verbal attacks. Nothing. Look at verse 4. He said, shooting from ambush at the blameless. Shooting at him suddenly and without, without fear. See, David was aware of secret enemies. What's an ambush? An ambush suggests that attacks are coming from secret places, from hidden places and hidden sources. So unprovoked and unjustified attacks on innocent, blameless people by people who think that they're not going to be exposed or not even aware of it can be very, very damaging. You may be in a relationship with somebody and the words that you're using that you think are trying to maybe correct them sometimes can be very damaging to them and drive them further away from God. Be careful. Be careful how you use your tongue. David knew that he had done nothing to deserve these verbal attacks, but the enemy was using them to ambush, those words to ambush him and turn people who would potentially follow him away from him. But David's enemies were without fear because they thought they would never be found out. Enemies are constantly looking for ways to ambush you. Spiritually, emotionally, even physically. If you're like me, uh, you're being constantly ambushed by many secret enemies. Now take a minute and just dial in with me. Where do these enemies come from? Where do these secret enemies that use words to take you down come from? Some of them are coming from the wilderness that we talked about last week in Psalm 63. They're, they're, they're hanging out in the secret places of your heart. You know God is holding you, but you feel isolated and alone. You're discouraged by circumstances that you cannot control. It's kind of like that wilderness out there that the enemy's hanging out in, and he's waiting around every corner to take you out. 
I want to encourage you to do like David. Identify those enemies. Identify those secret places that the enemy might be hiding in your heart. Maybe that, that secret sin that you're dealing with. Maybe that place where you are so discouraged and yet you don't even know what to do in your discouragement. And I want to encourage you to do like David. Call on God to defend you. He's there. He cares. He's ready to defend you in the wilderness places of your life. Other enemies live right in your own house. Uh, triggers from your own family members are regularly ambushing you and causing you to live in despair, live in a, a, a spirit of distress. Words are like swords and arrows. They're cutting deep into your spirit. I want to encourage you to call on God, like David, to expose those words that other people may be using in your own family against you. And rather than allow them to be triggers to take you into depression or take you into uh, an argumentative spirit where, you're, where you're, you're fighting back on your own, allow them to take you to God and turn those words into communion with God. And turn those words into an avenue asking God to help you open up a door, maybe even to share a witness with that same person that is challenging you with words that are hurtful. Call on God before you continue to try to fight the battle on your own. Some enemies additionally live in your pocket or in your pocketbook. They, they hide in places like your cell phone. In fact, I believe that your cell phone can be one of the most deadly enemies that you have in our culture today. We constantly allow this vital resource that we've come to depend on and we need so much in our world today to define us. And when we allow our cell phones the social media that flows through our cell phone to define us. We have lessened ourselves to a much lesser person than who God has said we are. Our identity is not in our cell phone. Our identity is not in social media like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat, whatever source of media that you use. That's not your identity. Your identity, if you're a believer, is in Christ. All the likes in the world can't come close to measuring up to how much God loves you and sacrificed his life to save you. So don't let your identity be taken down and ambushed by what social media may say to you. Make sure that you don't allow your identity to be ambushed by any enemy, any enemy. Look at verse 5. They hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk, they talk of lying, laying snares secretly, thinking, who can see them? Again, David was being attacked by enemies who had no respect for God and no respect for him. Their purpose was to set evil traps, thinking that no one would ever discover their evil schemes. Now, over the past 3,000 years since David lived, nothing's really changed, has it? 
I mean, the, the environment may be different. The context may be different. But the concept is exactly the same. God has enemies who are ruthless. And those who walk with God will always be under attack. So be aware. Be ready to call on God for your defense when those attacks come. What are those who hate God doing? Look at verse 6. They search out injustice. Might want to circle that word because that's a key word for us to remember in our culture today. They search out injustice saying, we have accomplished a diligent search for the inward mind and heart of a man or a deep trap. Injustice. Injustice. See, David knew a lot about justice and what true justice was. Justice is only truly justice when it's perfect justice. And perfect justice only comes from a perfect heart. And who's the only one who has a perfect heart? God. Make sure when you have the opportunity to talk about justice today and social injustice that you don't leave out the perfect judge. I mean, I'm quick to want to talk about the perfect judge. And that's God Himself. Because only God is holy and without any error in judgment. And only God judges in the best interest of all people in all times, in all places. That's what justice is. It's what flows from the heart of God. David nails it. Are you aware that injustice is a heart problem? It's a sin problem. David recognized that the inward heart of man is evil and depraved. This is a constant theme in the Bible. For example, look in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, desperately wicked. Who can understand it? See, there's only one way. There's only one way you can victoriously follow your own heart. You can only victoriously follow your own heart when your heart is connected to the heart of God. Because only the heart of God is perfectly just. Only the heart of God never makes an error in judgment. He's the perfect God. And so if you want to know what real justice is about, connect your heart to the heart of God and then follow that heart with God. Any other way of following your heart is going to take you astray. It's going to take you down the wrong path. So connect your heart to the heart of God. Those disconnected from God, like these evil pursuers of David, had followed their heart down the road of the Pied Piper, which only leads to destruction. And I caution you about doing that. See, God alone is the only perfect judge. So make sure that you are protected by the power of our perfect judge. So what did David do? He identified his enemies. 
He got in a safe place and he cried out and voiced his complaint to God. That's what I want to do and that's what I want to challenge you to do as well. Bring God to your defense. Why? Well, number three in verses seven through nine, we see that God's protection is purposeful. It's purposeful. Verse 7 says, But God shoots His arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues, turned against them. All who see them will wag their heads. David looked to God to bring judgment upon the ungodly by turning the plots of the wicked back on the wicked. See, evil is always self-defeating. And when we place our trust totally in God alone, God turns the threats of the enemy into a boomerang. You know what a boomerang is? You throw it out and it comes back, and if you're not careful, it'll take your own head off. I mean, that's exactly the picture that's painted here. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, the Bible says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he reap. It's certain that God turns evil back on the evildoer. Now, He does it in His time and in His way, but it's a promise from God. It will happen. And then verse 9, Then all mankind fears, and they tell what God has brought about and ponder what He has done. Divine justice focuses attention on the glory of God. And that's a good thing. David knew this from experience. When David was eight years old, who here is eight to ten years old? Raise your hand. Uh, we got several in here. Eight to ten years old, okay? That's how old David was when Samuel the prophet stood before the eight sons of Jesse and one by one went through the sons and said, God said through Samuel, not that one, not that one, not. Got down to the scrawny eight-year-old David and said, he's the one that's going to be the future king of Israel. When David was just 14 years old, he stood before the giant, the Philistine giant, Goliath, and with a simple sling, but really with the power of God, he took out the giant. He killed the giant, Goliath, and saved the nation of Israel from humiliation. From the time David was 14 to the time he was 20, he played the harp for that same King Saul who had watched him take down the giant. And he soothed the heart of the king by using his gift to praise God and also soothe the heart of a depressed king. From the time David was 20 to the time he was 30, that same King Saul chased after him to kill him because he was jealous of him. When David was 30 years old, King Saul was finally killed and David took over the throne of ruling Israel. He knew what it was like to live under the authority and under the power of God. He knew that God's power and God's promise and God's provision was true because God had a purpose for his life. Are you listening? If you're breathing God's air today, 
God has a purpose for your life. Just like he did for David. If you look back over the history of your life, everything in your life has pointed you toward coming to God and bowing before him and letting him be purposely, purposefully in charge of your life. Some of you need to make that commitment of God, to God today. You need to commit your life to Him. Say, God, I'm, I'm tired of living for myself. I know that your purpose is bigger than my plan. And today, I hear you calling me to yourself and I want to give my life to you. David knew what it was like to understand and fulfill the purpose of God. And I pray that you will come to understand that if you've not already come to understand that today. Like David, cry out to God and experience His power and His purpose and His forgiveness and His salvation. God is calling you today. He's calling you today to repent and turn away from trying to take care of yourself. To depend on your resources to sustain your life. You're born into this world as a sinner. And your sin separates you from God. And you need to understand that until you come to deal with that sin problem, you're an enemy of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be an enemy of God. So like David, understand the purpose that God has for your life. And for some of you today, that purpose God has for you is for you to admit that you're a sinner and believe that Jesus Christ came to this world, God in the flesh, and lived a perfect life and sacrificed his life to pay the price for the penalty of your sin. And today can be the day when you say, God, I give up. I quit trying on my own. And I accept the gift that you've offered me through your shed blood for forgiveness of my sin. And the purpose of God for today can be fulfilled for you when you say, God, I want to commit the rest of my life to living for you. Just like David, I want to turn to you rather than turn to other resources first in my life. Because when you do that, when you understand that God's calling you to repent and you commit your life to him, and you commit your life to knowing and serving Him. Then finally, in verse, in verse 10, we see where we can't help but praise Him. God's protection is praiseworthy. It's praiseworthy. Verse 10 says, Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in Him. Let all the upright in heart exalt I hope you're aware today that that's why you're here on this earth. You're here on this earth to love God and glorify Him forever. Love God and glorify Him forever. In the middle of David's complaint, he was drawn to worship God. See, God's acts of judgment on the wicked are grounds for rejoicing when you take refuge in Him. No matter how bad things might be in your life right now, God is using those events to draw you to Himself. 
He wants you to know him and he wants to know you. So don't miss the opportunity today, even in your deepest pain, to turn to God and allow your heart to turn to rejoicing in him. See, nothing, absolutely nothing kept David from praising God. This word exalt, it means to pour out your praise and glory to God. And when you truly know him and when you're truly walking with him, you can't help it. I don't care how bad things may appear to be. Every bad thing that happens points you to know God and to praise him. David was confident that the wicked would be exposed and defeated in God's timing and in God's way. And you can know that same truth today as well. So how can we take this psalm and truly apply it to our life? I was thinking this past week that, you know, it matters for us to understand that God is watching us. When I came off the 31 out here this morning and came on to Highway 544, there was a police officer sitting in the middle of the road out there. And it was amazing to me at how many cars in that little short distance between where that intersection happens and where we turn off Dick Pond Road to come to the church. It was amazing to me at how many people slammed on brakes. I could see brake lights in the rearview mirror when they, when they saw that police car. Why, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Well, the police officer serves as a warning to us that we need to obey the law. I went to, foot, to college on a football scholarship, and I remember those four years in playing football at Furman. The Sunday evening after our game on Saturday, we always had a film session. And we would be brought in by positions into our film room, and uh, man, those, those coaches would run the tape of the game, and our projector's broken today, but uh, we had a big screen, bigger than the one back here, and they would blow that, 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 those images up on the screen, and they would show every single play of the game, and it was embarrassing and painful because they would show every single mistake we made. And the reason they did that is so we wouldn't make the same mistake again. And then after a couple of hours of that kind of session, then they would start showing film for a briefer period of time on the opponent that was coming up in front of us. And what we wanted to do was look at the weaknesses of the opponent so we knew what the weaknesses were and we could attack the opponent as his weakness. I hope you're aware that as David knew, God sees everything that we do. Does that matter to you? That God knows and God sees every single thing we do? See, when we're aware of that, it's like seeing that police officer. It's like looking at that videotape. It puts us on alert. And there are two things that we want to do by way of application. We want to look at the mistakes we're making. How are you spending your complaints? When we, when we complain, are we complaining to somebody that can do something about it? Are we complaining to God himself? If it's not important enough to complain to God about, it's not important enough to complain about. And then secondly, 
how are you going to meet the enemies that you face today? Are you looking back and learning from your mistakes, but then are you looking forward and saying, God, I want to face the enemies I face today in your strength and in your power. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that we simply come before you and we simply agree with David that we need help. And I pray that as your Holy Spirit deals with our hearts today, that we will take what's inside of our life by way of challenges, by way of struggles, by way of threats, by maybe injustices that we have received and turn all that into the opportunity to open up our heart and praise you and bring you into our life as our advocate. God, thank you for paying the price and teaching us how to do that. And we continue to celebrate you now by joining our hearts together in communion with you. In Jesus' name we pray and continue to worship. Amen. I want to invite you now to take the uh, communion set. There's a communion set near you in your seat. And I want to invite you to take that communion set. And on the, on the very bottom of the communion set, we have uh, a tab that you can pull off that has a piece of bread. And then on the top, there's a tab to pull off with the cup. And there's, a, there's an incredibly important purpose behind doing what Jesus asked us to do. See, the, the, the night before he was crucified, he, he met with his disciples. And he explained to them that symbolically the bread at the table that they broke and passed around and shared represented the fact that he came to this earth and he lived God in the flesh. He lived a perfect life. And he came for that purpose to give you an opportunity to connect your life with his life. Then he took the cup and he passed it around to his disciples and he said this cup is representative of the blood of the New Testament that is shed for the forgiveness of your sin. And so the bread representing the body of Christ and the cup representing the blood of Christ is a reminder to you and me of what Christ has done for us to provide salvation for us. And so I want to invite you now to take the bread and Hold it in your hand and take a minute and let God convict your heart of any sin that might be there. Maybe sin of rejecting him. Maybe sin of uh, commission that you have done, an act that you've done that you need to repent of. And when we eat the bread, commit in your heart that you're repenting of that and you're going to turn away from that. And then take the cup and as we drink the cup, be reminded that the blood of Jesus takes away the sin. There's nothing you've done. Just like David committing adultery in his 50s. 
He repented of that and was sorry for that, and God forgave him for that. God wants to forgive you of any sin that you've ever committed today. So as you take the bread and as you drink the cup, I want to challenge you to realize who Jesus is, accept his forgiveness, and then here's what's most important. Remember him until he comes back again. He's coming back again, just like he came the first time. And so let this be a reminder of you of the forgiveness that he wants to offer, repenting of your sin, turning away from your sin, committing to live the rest of your life in communion with him until he comes back again. Father, we thank you for the bread and we thank you for the cup. And I pray that as we eat this bread and drink this cup, that we will remember you until you come back again. In Jesus' name, amen.